Hey everyone, welcome to the Landlord Association podcast. I'm your host, George Gao. This is a podcast by the landlords and for the landlords in the greater Houston area. We'll discuss tips, strategies, techniques to help our listeners to be more educated and ultimately become more successful rental property owners and investors. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10. Today we have another installment of the Ask Jimmy segment, where he answers some of the burning questions posted on our Facebook page. Also, as a bonus, just to give our listeners a different perspective, we talked at a high level about the commercial office building asset class, based on his Jimmy's professional experience at Heinz. Obviously, Class A buildings are not the right investment vehicle for everyone, and usually reserved for the big players. But at least this will give everyone a flavor of how, of how developers and large LPs look at this asset class. All right, let's get to it. Hey, Jimmy, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, hey, George, I'm glad to be back. How are you? Good. Very hot in Houston these days, huh? Yeah, yeah, you're hitting the August uh, hottest day of the year, for sure. How's that, how is everything going in your world? Everything's good. Today I was uh, blowing insulation in the attic, although I didn't do it myself. Had somebody there, but you know, I can tell uh, she was uh, very dehydrated from the Houston heat and, uh, and also working on my development project uh, this week, too. Yeah. Was a insulation for a single family or? Uh, yeah, single, okay. yeah, for a single family. Just blowing up insulation for a single family. Uh, AC unit is not exactly uh, in yet. And yeah. so, uh, and so, yeah, she's had to do it uh, kind of without AC. So it's, it's pretty hot. Yeah. Well, that's why you pay somebody to uh, yeah. do the hard work. Yeah, pay somebody to to do the sweat. It is uh, pretty dangerous too, because uh, she had to stop a few times and go in her car and just had AC blowing. You know, it was her and her son. So. Oh, geez. Yeah. 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 It's definitely something um, for a regular investor. You don't want to take on yourself. I mean, you definitely want to hire a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a uh, blowing insulation is a fairly low, uh, low skill work, um, but it's, uh, it's a matter of uh, wanting to do it or not. I mean, I went up there, and uh, we were trying to get R thirty eight, and you know, I was trying to measure it, and mm-hmm. just going up there to measure to see if she did a good job or not, and you know, all the areas to see if you know we're we're hitting the thirteen uh, inches that uh, that we're supposed to be hitting, and even going up there doing that, it was a. Uh, it's pretty hot up there. You know. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's why you need boots on the ground. You, uh, you yeah. know, you need definitely need to check on their work and make sure yeah. to verify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, something you can trust them. But you know, it's good once in a while to kind of yeah. get your hands dirty. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, good. And uh, and your, your your construction part is going well. On going on plan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, development is always a, a, a lot of moving pieces with a lot of uh, parties involved. So, you know, it's, a, it's a, always a, a challenge to juggle everybody and, you know, making sure everybody stays on, on time because uh, I think time is uh, usually the biggest risk factor of uh, being on time and, you know, getting the project done and, and cash flowing. Yeah. yeah. So do you have a full-time project manager dedicated on the, to make sure the construction is on time and every, all the pieces moving or... Yeah, we hired a GC for it, okay. a general contractor, and yeah. so they're supposed to be, um, you know, moving everything along. But there's definitely still, um, you know, managing the the, the GC is uh, still still a work in itself. Yeah. Do you have, do you give them the budget and they can they pay all the subcontractors or do you just um, you pay all the subs yourself? Um, and yeah. Just so, pay the GC for the. For yeah. The so so how it works is um, uh, whenever you uh, start the project or whatever. Um, you kind of look at the land and you try to get bids from 
general contractors mm-hmm. ahead of time. And so, and so, you know, if you look at all the numbers of bids that you have, and you look at your project and it's like, well, hey, I'm making pretty good money off of this development. You pull the pl- a plug to do it, then usually, um, then that, that's you know where all the numbers come from. Gotcha. So, so at some point in time, they, they gave you a bid, you thought that it worked well with the returns. Um, and then after that, of course, uh, they pay all the subs, um, mm-hmm. but you know, in the contract, you know, they, they have to release, you know, all the, the waivers, you know, yeah. whatnot. Make sure they, yeah. yeah make, to make sure they paid. Um, for bigger projects, uh, for bigger projects, um, like big office buildings, uh, usually how it works is, although they pay the subs, but, uh, but they have to disclose exactly how much the subs are making, and then after that, they have to pay the subs on a certain schedule. So it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, Pay this, you pay your own sub, but you know, we're monitoring pretty closely. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you like review those numbers weekly with them and make sure everything stay on track or do you have monthly reviews with them or just you kind of just let it go until um, like, no, check it's, in every cer- say it's, certain uh, it's, it's usually um, based on certain milestones. Okay. And so, um, and so, you know, definitely, you know, whenever, you know, and those milestones are usually correlated with. Um, when they need their draws, gotcha. You know, so yeah. if they're asking for more money, you want to know that you know work has been completed. Yeah. You want to know that people have gotten paid. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, so yeah. Just more zeros, and then similar to a yeah. almost similar to a rehab, but you yeah, just more. Yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, more it's, it's 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 similar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just more zeros, and then it's just uh, it's just uh, there's just more um, kind of detailed, um, and you know, you know people. It's more zeros in the end, and so people get more creative, and so you just gotta yeah. be there to make sure that you know things don't go out of control. Right. Yeah. All right. And today, later today, we're going to talk about a uh, example of office uh, development project. So stay tuned for that. All right. In today's uh, Ask Jimmy segment, we have two questions from our uh, Facebook members. One of the first questions from AJ. He said, "Hello. Our very difficult tenant finally moved out on the 14th. We deducted 14 days rent." as he didn't pay his fir- this month's rent. Original notice we gave him was to move out on thir- June 30th. He's very upset and wants full security deposit back, saying we caused him in- great inconvenience and claiming he- we had an agreement to let him stay, overstay, which we didn't. We sent him a check by certified mail and stating statement claimed by email. He didn't accept the certified mail and not pick it up from the post office. What might be his game plan now? What do you think, Jimmy? Yeah, uh, you know, it's very hard to predict people's game plan. I think that if you um, follow uh, your own protocols, then you should be all right. And I think that you did a good thing by sending it certified mail and it getting rejected. And as long as you verify that the address that you sent it to is his last known address and you did your best to get the most accurate address, I think that's really good for record keeping. And um, there's a government entity, and I can't recall on top of my head, but there's a government entity where you, you know, send them any kind of lost money so that people, if they have lost money, they go and they claim. And so after you send the certified mail and the money goes back to you, you should, you know, find that 
entity. I, I just I totally forgot where where to get that, but um, but you can probably find it on Google um, some way. But you would submit your your paperwork and the money there. And in the future, if he says that hey, you know, you never paid me my my deposit, then you have proof that you did, and you got it rejected by certified mail. And then after that, you have a track record where you didn't keep his money and spend it, and you gave it to the appropriate people. And that, I think that should get you covered. Mm. Okay. And a uh, bigger um, uh, uh, multifamily apartment building. I mean, do they, the property management company, they all like somebody who have unclaimed deposits or anything like that in the situations. They also send it to government. Like, yeah, and, but but um, you know, at apartments, it doesn't happen that much, um, just because a, a lot of times, um, if if they're move at, at higher end apartments, you know. They're very eager to get their deposit yeah. back. They even clean their own apartments right. to get their money back, and so and they're visiting the apartment. They, you know, they, they have a dedicated leasing office, and so they're visiting their apartment um, at at you know at other kind of um, you know maybe blue collar apartments where tenants are skipping or they're running away and they're owing stuff. Usually, their deposit is not even enough to uh, to you know cover the um, the, the repairs you know yeah. that, that that need to be done. And or so just breaking it, the yeah, lease, right, right. Yeah. And so, you, usually, you don't have too many problems yeah. of people running away of getting their deposit back. Usually, they're very eager and they're all in your face because they know they had a clean apartment and right. they know that there's money due to them, or. Um, they're running away because they know for a fact that they owe you way more money than their, um, their rent deposit. Usually, people don't run away from money, so you know, yeah, yeah. So it, it doesn't it doesn't happen very much. Uh, I've actually never heard it happen at any of the apartments I own. You know. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. The second one, second question, come from Anna or Anna. Uh, client evicted a tenant, and the tenant filed an appeal. Has anyone? Had that happened to them, how do we know they filed an appeal? Should we? How do we? Should we prepare for it? Yeah, I think I think um, uh, if if you don't know that they filed an appeal, then it's likely that they didn't file an appeal. And I think that you know, you 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 have to file for eviction first, and then after that, you know, during your eviction court hearing, you have to win, and then after that, then there's an appeal, and you'll find out there's an appeal because you know you wait a, a week and they're still not moved out and you know usually you wait a week for you to file a wit of possession for you to now take control of the property but then after they'll be the court will say hey they file an appeal we approve them somehow and that's how you file an appeal and you gotta and how you prepare it for it is you gotta see what is the basis of their appeal mm -hmm. you know and you know then you go from there to um you know Set set the story straight. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my tenants, one one evicted her. She filed an appeal, hmm. and uh, you know, we just what, what stage after the court hearing for the eviction, right? After the court hearing that, for the eviction that you won, right? Yes, yes, that we so won. Yeah, yeah, that you won. Yeah. yeah. So the, the judge awarded us the you know the, the possession, right. and then they filed an appeal. Yeah. And then we told them, hey, they never paid. Yeah. And then uh, you know they just dismissed the appeal. Yeah. So this is probably before you filed the wit of possession, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's between. Yeah. So it's usually between that process and and you know you can't get your property back and you're going to the court and so you the the court will tell you hey, they filed an appeal. So, yeah. Yeah. So you'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find <laughs> out. Yeah. If you don't know, if you don't know, or you don't find out, then there's no appeal. Right. Yeah. You can just file the writ. Yeah. You can file the wit of possession. Yeah. Okay. 
Good. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for answering those questions. If you have more questions, please uh, get on Facebook, post your questions. You know, some of our members will answer the questions, or uh, hopefully we'll pick it up on our uh, monthly podcast here, and uh, your question will be answered by Jimmy. All right. So we're doing a little something different this week, uh, this time, and uh, so we're going to pick Jimmy's brain on a uh, different type of investment. So it's not a typical single-family residence. Um, I think this time we're going to uh, ask him about a office building developments. How, what kind of investment is that? What kind of return kind of investment get? And uh, you know, how does how did one even get started? So, so Jimmy, I don't know. You want to kick it off? And who's the typical developer for office building? And then you know, uh, how do they even go about picking a site? Or you know, what's the target type of rate return they're looking for? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, George. And um, you know, um, I'm I'm gonna talk very general and maybe perhaps go into a little bit more details next time. Um, but you know, just like with single family, there's um, quite a bit of a, a different investor appetite for office. Um, you have your um, ultra ultra um, safe office buildings, which is usually stuff that you see in downtown of a major city. I mean, those things are. Um, you know, super safe because if you think about it, if you own the the best, um, the prettiest, um, you know, office building in downtown Houston, well, you know, you know, if you can't get renters in there, all you do is you lower your rent, and and somebody from an uglier building will move into your building, and then you know if, and it's usually Fortune 500 companies are your tenant, and so it's very easy for a person to default if they lose their job or whatever, but for Coca-Cola or ExxonMobil to not afford rent, I mean, the world must be a really bad place. And right. so, so th- those buildings are super safe, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, class A tenants. Yeah, class, class AA tenants, yeah. right? And, uh, and so those are considered, you know, super safe. And a lot of um, the pension funds, the sovereign wealth funds, uh, they love those uh, insurance companies. Even they love those because they can, you know, uh, pretty much predict cash flow uh, on an annual basis, mm-hmm. uh, and and those uh, returns are usually core returns, and core returns are usually anywhere from I would say four to six percent mm-hmm. uh, annually. Yeah, is that those type of uh, they're not triple net leases though, right? Those office buildings are not. I mean, you, you got to pay for the. Uh, the office the, the, management. They're typically triple net. They're triple net. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they pay for all the maintenance and. Yeah, all it's that. it's different for market, but it's uh, pretty much usually triple net. Okay. Yeah. And then how long is the lease terms uh, for even the twenty year or they sign a short? Yeah. So 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 usually what landlords do is um uh is that if you own a really trophy asset or an asset if I showed you a picture of and you'll recognize that hey that's Houston Texas or hey that right there is New York City that's considered a trophy asset means that it's recognized all over the world for those you know landlords are typically extremely picky on the type of tenant base um, and you know with that the the lease terms are usually longer mm-hmm. um, and so, and, and the, the credit rating of those tenants are usually a lot better too. So, you know, they have super strong, you know, uh, ratings on, on their credit. You know, it's a Fortune 500, you know, it's, it's going well. There's no signs of bankruptcy or anything like that. Um, and so, and so the, the sliding scale is, 
hey, the longer term the lease, you know, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, the longer term the lease, the more rent-free that they'll give. Mm -hmm. So periods of rent-free, so they can give anywhere from, you know, any, you know, from six months to maybe three years rent-free, depend, you know, yeah. or, or longer. Yeah. Uh, it also, uh, it also, the longer the lease, they also give um, uh, TIs, which is tenant improvements. Mm -hmm. So they'll decorate your building, they'll modify your buildings for free, you know, and other tenant inducement. And so how a landlord, how a landlord looks at that is, um, they do the um, the net effective rent. So basically, they take the cash flow of what this lease produced, and they discount it back, and they say, hey. If we discounted back all the free rents and everything like that, what's the net effective rent like? You know, it's, it's going to be. So that's how they calculate that. So the longer time frame you sign the lease, then the better deal you're going to get, yeah. especially up front. Yeah. Um, the shorter term the lease, um, you know, the the worst deal. You know, probably no rent free. Probably you take care of your own building. Yeah. And uh, and landlords, uh, especially of those Class A uh, trophy assets. Um, what they try to do is they try to line up a bunch of tenants that are signing, you know, the 15, 20, you know, 25 year leases. And then once they line up all that, it's a great time to sell because then when they flip it to the new buyer, they're like, Hey, look, like this is your cash flow. It's all in rent. You know, it's all rent. It's all, you know, good tenant. To right. Good credit tenant. Yeah. It's everything's in rent, and then after that, there's there's no dispute. It, it it'll have you know every year usually will have you know different um, increases in rent. You mm -hmm. know, and so it'll have all of that. And so the next buyer is like virtually no risk for the next buyer. They're like, hey, yeah. this this building is set for the next you know you know 15 years. So right. all set. And so and so usually uh, landlords uh, do do uh, a good amount of work to try to line up you know, really big chunks of space. So where there's lots of lease and that's called, um, um, the, the weighted average, uh, lease term, you mm. know? And so, and so, and so, you know, when, and, and so they call it the vault, uh, for short. And so when there's a vault of, you know, 10 years, 20 years, which is the weighted average of, of, of the remaining lease terms yeah. on a square foot of base uh, basis of 10, 20 years, the, the building, trades at a much lower cap rate mm -hmm. and it becomes much more valuable right. in the next buyers. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's with uh, the, um, the class A office buildings. Right. That's, that's what people are looking for, yeah. you know. I guess as you get closer and the wall number gets number smaller, you're, I guess you're, you're, the buyer expect a higher, little higher cap. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. The, the, they expect gotcha. a higher cap yeah. and uh, most, most people, uh, most institutional investor, they wouldn't sell it at, at the lower wall. They'll, they'll, you know, figure. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, no, they'll, they'll release it yeah. out themselves. And, and so, and so it's basically this. Um, it's basically this. So if they had a small wall, then basically, they will find great tenants and they will give them tenant inducement. And, and of course, that costs money. Yeah. But they know they're going to get it back when they sell it. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. right? So. Are the TIs paid in cash upfront? Like, so you lease it, you gotta pay the leasing agent a certain amount of money for leasing it. But the TI too, is that paid upfront or is that paid out as as credit to their uh, uh, rent every month for the next ten years, or do you have to pay out the TI? Right? Yeah. So, so how TIs? Yeah. So, so, um, so commissions are paid up upfront. 
yeah. um, uh, least free periods are usually done up front. Mm-hmm. So, so not, not, not like the day of signing, but like, you know, as in like, hey, if, if you have one year of rent free, it's usually one year up front, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, it's not, sometimes it's spread across. So not necessarily always up front, but usually it is up front. Um, TIs um, are um, are up front because because you're actually paying them to renovate your your office space, yeah. and so so where where there's a lot of negotiations for TI is not whether it's up front or not. Where there's a lot of negotiation is a lot of tenants will say, hey, um, can I just have the money and I'll figure it out. And what they do is you know they take a hundred thousand dollars and then they put fifty thousand dollars in the office space and they pocket 50,000. Of course, the landlord's like, well, I really want to, for you to, if I'm giving you 100,000, I really want you to put 100,000 because it makes my building more valuable and then you less likely to leave, right. you know? Yeah. And so that's where things, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, they, they negotiate heavily on this like, hey, well, you know, like, you know, who are you using as a general contractor? You know, what, how are you doing it? That, yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and of course, you know, if you're a landlord at an office building, and you got somebody moving in the ninth floor and there's a tenant on the 10th floor and there's a tenant on the eighth floor, you don't want them hiring shady contractors, break some kind of water pipe and affect the tenants on the 10th floor and the tenants on the eighth floor because yeah. then after they'll be pissed off. And so, you know, and so, yeah. so that, that's where usually the TI terms are, are heavily negotiated. Gotcha. And um, I mean, I'm sure, and the property managers are national players. So you're not going to pick a mom and pop to come and manage your you know, your office building. Yeah, so, so, um, so uh, property managements are usually um, national players. And in fact, um, for some of the really big, nice buildings, some of the national property management freeze, uh, uh, companies will even offer to do it for free. Oh, yeah. Well, how, how does that work? I mean, well, do they well, get a free office space or? Well, no, because, um, because the... When you're talking about very big scale, um, when you're talking about big scale office, the 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 property management companies are your big brokerage firms, CBRE, you know, uh, uh, you know, CBRE, JLL, yeah. you know, Avison Young, you know, Coyers, those guys, and basically, you know, they have other businesses too, like brokerage. They make money from selling, buying office building, and so some something that could be like, hey. You know, for for a landlord, for a big landlord that 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 is in you know hundreds of cities and in thirty countries, you know, it, a, a deal can easily be struck. Hey, you know, please, you know, I'll manage your building, this building for free, but the next building that you sell, let us sell it for you. Right. You know, or yeah. you know that kind of stuff. Lease it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, le- leasing is is usually a small fee, but okay. the fees are very big if you're selling yeah. a three hundred million you know dollar yeah. office building. And so some of them is like, hey. You know, so so a lot of these landlords they own a bunch of properties, you know, in multiple big cities, and so some of them would say, "Hey, we'll just do it for free," you know, uh, yeah. But then you have the you have full time. Sometimes big buildings have like, you know, front desk person, you have two maintenance guys, you have you know who are W two employees. Are the W two employees for the property management company, or they the landlords want to pay the 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 full time, whether it's receptionist or. Um, are they, are they kind of built into the property management fee? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So so for property management fee, it's usually a, a, a percentage of rent, mm. and um, and um, and uh, it's usually um, and there's no usually there's not an extra add-on for okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just a percentage of rent and and everybody else is a is a employee of uh of the property right. management company gotcha. and so that's why uh in europe uh you don't have too many property management companies uh because in europe uh if if, if i own a property management fee and i manage your office um and you decide to sell and um and so my employees i don't have anywhere to put them right but in europe um you know i mean you have to give them heavy severance maybe pay two years an additional two years maybe an additional one year so it becomes whereas you know in the u.s is more at will state so where you know and people in property management know it you know this is where you know if, if, the, if the owner sells then you might not have a job Right, where in Europe it's a little bit harder to do that. There's a lot of laws that are protecting that, and so and so a lot of sometimes the the uh, property owner kind of hires you know people to do it themselves. Or I mean, there's there's definitely less property management players. It's it's not as profitable. Well, I mean, it's not it's not that profitable in the U.S. either. Yeah. People, all the big brokerage firms, they do it um, as a service so that they can get, you know, the, um, the, the, yeah. the sell side, you know, the deal and then after that, the, uh, the tenant rep side, you know? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Lots of interesting nuggets there. Um, so last, last question on the, on the office space. So when you're selling, you're selling to the sovereign fund to want to get the four or five cap return. No, 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 no. When, when you're selling, uh, when you're selling or you're buying, it's usually um, a, uh, a, uh, a institution. Uh, so, so there's two types of institutional players in right. this. There's institutional players that serve as the general partner, and there's an institutional player that serves as a limited partner. Okay. So the sovereign wealth funds of the world, the you know um, the uh, um, pension funds, the pension funds, the uh, the firefighter association, the t- teachers association, your your basic real estate you know funds. They're they're usually LPs, mm-hmm. the insurance companies. You know they're usually LPs where they say, hey, you know we want some fixed assets, we want this, we want that, you know, yeah. and they got money and they'll give it to somebody that are the GP and those people are the ones going out buying it sure. with, with the LPs capital. Right, understand. Right. So, but in the development phase, like when developing going from zero to getting all the tenants up, are those the kind of same kind of investors who are investing in that? Or, or the, the pension funds more interested after you get developed, after you get leased out, then they want to buy that. They're not really interested in the more risky. I, I, I would imagine it's more risky for the developer to get their equity, say who are the, who are the basically who are the equity investors on the development side? Yeah, so 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 going back to uh, uh, our example of uh, where um, the return should be, um, if you're uh, so there's a, a few different levels of return. There's core, which is probably four to six percent, and then there's core plus, and that's kind of um, you know probably eight to eleven percent. And then there's value-added returns, probably 16 to, to 19. And then there's the optimistic, opportunistic, mm-hmm. which is the 20 plus, right? And so the sovereign wealth fund, they're aiming for core returns, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so the development is uh, any development deal is considered optimistic, and so and so those are uh, 20 plus. Uh, return projects. So some of them they return 30%, some of them they return 20%. Yeah. And usually how those uh, deals get done is they're usually funded by one investor. Mm. 
or, or, or maybe a few. Yeah. And it's usually, uh, you, 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 if you're, you're a GP, you put together the deal, um, you look at, you know, you go online, you know, you, you have contacts to certain people, but you don't necessarily reach out to everybody that you have contacts to. You look online, um, most of these, you know, you look at Exxon Mobil's balance sheet, they have an excess, you know, you know, $30 billion on their balance sheet, you know, and yeah. then you call your friend from Exxon, it's like, hey, what are y'all planning on doing with your cash? How are you managing it? Yeah. Hey, we got a project, uh, target return, about 35%. Um, we need, um, we need about, you know, uh, $60 million, Yeah, $60 million. Um, we, uh, plan to sell it within three years. You're interested. Mm. And so, and gotcha. so, yeah. And so that's how big companies like Apple, Exxon Mobil, and you know, all these big companies that they, they usually have a department that does something with their cash. Like they don't just sit there in a checking account. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what they do with their cash. So and so, those companies will, will jump on those opportunities. But they, all the big companies, they have a department that figures like kind of a private equity department yeah. that figures out how to banish their cash. They'll throw some of their cash into um, treasuries. They'll right. throw their, some of their cash into bonds or whatever, and they'll throw their cash into real estate development projects. Right. Yeah. 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 Somebody can write us when somebody can write a single check and you know. Yeah, and for them it's it's, it's very small. Like some some I mean some companies they have billions and billions of just sitting there, you know. Yeah. And so it's a matter of you know knowing the right people, knowing what kind of uh, opportunities that they're looking for, and you know you and you're just asking for the money for about three years, you know. So, right. Yeah. So it's not you know it's, and so that's that so that's what happens in the development and value added is usually stuff that is really beat down really hard and you're going in there and you're changing a bunch of stuff up you're doing heavy rehab and then you're leasing it up again that's usually your value added return okay. yeah gotcha well it's good to know um i guess you know for for a beginning investor you kind of take away is i mean you can get go out there and get, get strip malls and uh there are opportunities where you can invest in uh startup type of kind of a triple net investments where you know there's you know where it's re retail space where you get three or four tenants, but you can get a Walgreens in there or CVS in there. Yeah, there's that, and then uh, there, there's uh, there's a bunch of uh, people that sell, you know, your Waterburger Jack in the Box. And, you know, they'll they'll develop it, yeah. and they have connections to Waterburger and you know Jack in the Box, and they hey, where, where do you want your next store? Or they have a connection to you know Starbucks or whatever, and they're like, hey, when's your next store? And, and then after that, they sign a Starbucks or whatever signs a 15, 20 year lease. Yeah. And then after that, they'll go out and build it, get themselves a fee, and then they'll they'll sign the lease with the major brand, and then they'll sell it to you for a very low cap rate because it's almost you know kind of guaranteed. You know, yeah, it's a ma major, you know, it's a it's a major company signing behind that lease. You know, right. So um, so yeah, there's there's lots of different ways. You know, right. Yeah. Even for a small person. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, we think about these uh, big, nice office buildings, but there's actually, if you look around, there's actually a bunch of small class C mm -hmm. type of office buildings, you know, that, that, that there is, you know, your one man attorney office, your one man CPA office, rent these types of stuff, you know, some, you know, so, I mean, there, there's actually a lot quite around yeah. you know, for very cheap, you know? Yeah, 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 Houston does have zoning, so yeah. there's a huge building, office building, kind of all spread all over the place. Yeah, yeah, you know, downtown, yeah, you Gallery, yeah. you have kind of, I mean, Western side is really developing really fast the last couple of years. Right. Um, so, 
and uh, people always want to move to the next, nicest place. Right, so yeah. when the new building go up and people move and you could be five years old and you know you could be competing with a new build. So oh yeah, uh, there's definitely a, a that dynamic going on. Right. So you got to sure. be careful what you're yep. buying into too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much time. For- oh yeah, no problem. Enjoyed it, George. And so um, can't wait for the next one. Awesome. Yep. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks again to Jimmy for coming to the show and answering some of our members' questions. Again, if you have a question, feel free to post it on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash landlord association. And as always, thanks to Bandsound for providing music. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.